So this is a talk on apostolic cheerfulness. So I'm going to be talking about two things, being apostolic and being cheerful. And this is all in the spirit of St. Jose Maria, uh, of the spirituality of Opus Dei. And Opus Dei is a lay organization. Their image of the laity is of apostles that have been sent into the world. So building up to the Second Vatican Council, all the documents we're talking about before the council had the promulgation of the universal call to holiness, all these movements in the church talking about the lay apostolate, those sent. And if you're going to be sent into the world, what do you radiate to them? Well, what does an apostle radiate? Well, I'd suggest he radiates joy, he radiates cheerfulness. Uh, and if we think why, you know, from a gospel perspective, the apostle has met the risen Lord. So we think that in an Easter perspective, because that's kind of when we first are using the words apostles in the scriptures. Um, the Lord, before he died, even, but anticipating what he would do in his death and resurrection, says, be of good cheer. For I've overcome the world. Then if we think of um, one of my favorite resurrection scenes is um, the miraculous catch of fish and John, uh, you know, they can't quite make out Jesus on the seashore and that moment when John says, it is the Lord. And we can just kind of imagine his joy in that declaration. So the apostle is someone who has met the risen Lord and goes running to tell others about him. Doesn't go running in sadness, doesn't go running in anger. He goes running in joy. So there are gonna be three points interwoven in this talk. Cheerfulness, about not being sad. We're gonna talk about that as a fruit of our love of God. So there kind of needs to be a reservoir of joy within us to share with others. But more particularly, I'm going to talk about cheerfulness as an attitude, as something we choose in how we are approaching others. I'm going to talk about being apostolic. So an apostle wants to tell others of the Lord Jesus. He wants to lead others to the Lord Jesus. And he needs to be doing that, therefore, by his example and his Spirits, his cheerfulness is one of the ways he does that. He shows that there's something about him he wants to share with you, that you want to see whatever he's seen. And then the third thing, priesthood, obviously in our context, as a particular form of being apostolic. Um, so in Opus Dei's formation circles, they have typically an examination of conscience. They'd have an opportunity for confession. Um, and they have a, a particular examination of conscience they go through. And a number of the points in that will refer to cheerfulness. Um, so for a married man, by my example and dedication to my family, do I try to make my house a bright and cheerful Christian home? Another question, do I allow myself to be dominated by gloominess without realizing it is an ally of the enemy. 
Okay, one that connects the theme of being a son of God with cheerfulness. So I think it was just my last formation talk. I talked about divine filiation, the significance in Opus Dei in particular of being a son of God, being configured to the son. And one of the questions, again, in their examination of conscience is, do I always work with the happiness of one who knows he is a son of God? That knowing I'm a son of God should have a change in me, should change my attitude. So as I often quote you know, St. Thomas, when he talks about the change brought about in us by love, says one of the fruits of love is joy. That a man in love doesn't need to be told to be cheerful. A man in love just is happy. And if our love for God is deep, then our happiness, our cheerfulness is automatic and deep. Even in physical pain, if you've hurt yourself, but you're just excited and in love, you will still see that on someone's face. So St. Josemaria says, cheerfulness is a necessary consequence of our divine filiation, of knowing that the Father God loves us with a love of predilection. So do I know that I'm loved? Do I know that I have the dignity of one who's been chosen and called as a son of God? As a priest, we have a special configuring as a son of God, a unique configuring to Christ as priest, a unique configuring, therefore, as a son. And so the Father is, in a sense, ours in a special way. So anything St. Josemaria is saying about divine filiation leading to joy surely must be ours as, as priests too. Okay, this talk is about apostolic cheerfulness. So let me think about what it means to be an apostle um, for a minute in our context, and the priest as an apostle. Because we don't often talk about the priest as an apostle, um, but he is. Um, but it's almost a redundant expression or description of a priest as an apostle. But who has the fullness of the apostolic succession or the bishop, but the priest has a share in that bishop's role and is therefore apostolic, is therefore an apostle, is therefore sent out in a way that is particularly priestly. So although a priest can get distracted and be very caught up in his administration, be a functionary, um, can be a minister running around the sanctuary, and all that we have to do, but at his root, a priest is an apostle, one who is sent to bring Christ to others and to bring others to Christ. That the priest, and we use the word apostle to repeat that Easter image, those who first met the risen Lord, the priest is one who has met the Lord. The priest is one who 
is filled with that encounter of having met him and goes and tells others what he's seen. So the priest is an apostle. One sent. Part of being apostolic is having a zeal for souls. So when we read about the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, everywhere he's going, he's meeting people, he's caring about people, he has a, a zeal for the salvation of those he is encountering. And I likewise, as a priest, need, when I'm in an RCIA class, when I'm doing a baptism preparation session, when I, I need to have that desire for someone's salvation. I need to have that zeal for souls that comes from that awareness I have been sent here. I am an apostle. And that zeal for souls flows out of the encounter with the Lord that I've had. So, so far I've talked about joy and cheerfulness that comes from my having met the Lord, that is just a natural reservoir within me. I've talked about being sent. I want to shift that perspective now in terms of an attitude, that cheerfulness has to not just be a reservoir of joy within me, but I need to choose to be cheerful. What am I going out to others with? What is my attitude, my disposition? I choose cheerfulness. We can choose to wallow in our self-pity. We can choose to wallow in all that's gone wrong. Many of you have heard me quote St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, one of my favorite descriptions of sins that he, he lists is um, how a lack of mirth is a sin, that you need to have a sense of humor. And he says the world is burdensome enough without people who don't have a sense of humor. Um, we need, and that this is something we choose. Am I going to laugh at someone's joke or am I just gonna sit there and be miserable and refuse to find this joke funny? Um, there's an attitude there, a choice. Um, gonna quote Mother Teresa a couple times in this talk. Um, your Mother Teresa, one of these towering figures of the 20th century, um, and yet she talks about quite simple things many times. So just quoting her here. I remember some time ago, a very big group of professors came from the United States, and they asked, tell us something that will help us. And I said, smile at each other. Very simple thing, it's a choice. Do I choose to smile at others? Do I choose cheerfulness? Again, theologically, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, um, that on one sense, joy is a fruit of love. The man in love has an effect of joy in him. But he also notes it's an act of love. It's something I choose to do, I choose to be joyful. I choose to be cheerful. And a lot of that choosing 
comes down to choosing what we're going to think about. That if I think about everything that's wrong with the world, everything that's wrong with my life, everything that's wrong in this seminary, everything that's going to be difficult in this course I've got ahead of me, what I choose to think about can be, bring me down and make me gloomy. Or I can choose to think about those things I know edify. I can choose to think about those things that give me reasons for hope. I can choose to think about those things directly in the Lord that give me reasons for cheerfulness. And in terms of other people, my cheerfulness is one of the gifts I can give other people. So St. Josemaria says, serve the Lord with joy, service with joy. Do you think that people appreciate a service done in a bad mood? No, it would be better if not done at all. How about us? Are we going to serve the Lord in a bad mood? No, we shall serve him with joy, in spite of our defects, which we'll be working on to improve them. But joy is a choice. I need to, in my service, choose to serve with joy and want to take that out to others. And to attract others to the Lord by the joy they see within me. If I am in love with the Lord, if I have met the Lord, they should see something about me that is worthy of going back to the source where I have encountered that. Okay, I want to shift perspective here on the question of being fake. So sometimes people are hesitant to be cheerful because they don't want to be false. They don't want to be fake. They want to be genuine. And I'm feeling miserable, so I'm going to be genuine with you in being miserable. Um, well, if I'm feeling angry and hateful, is it appropriate for me to be genuine with you and punch you in the face? Uh, no, there are some things that uh, genuine isn't the relevant question that part of my gift to others involves me choosing to be cheerful. Quote a line from St. Josemaria that gloominess is an enemy of the devil. Uh, is, yeah, no, it's the other way around. Uh, cheerfulness is an enemy of the devil. Gloominess is um, my enemy. Gloominess is a tool of the devil. That gloominess just brings down everyone around me, uh, my parishioners, my family, my brother seminarians. Um, but it's an attitude we can repel. It's a, to repeat again, that we can choose what thoughts we're going to think about. So, you know, in the tradition, we talk about mortifying our thoughts of killing, the word mortifying, killing things, that there are certain chains of thought that I just need to kill. But that chain of thought isn't going anywhere positive. I need to put an end to it. I need to, to kill it. When I find myself in a chain of thinking that is negative, that is gloomy, I need to just make that decision to kill that chain of thought and think about something else. Think about something positive instead. 
Uh, that's not being fake. That's seeking to change what I'm doing. And it's thinking what's going to be a gift to others. Back to Mother Teresa again in this regard. You know, after she died and her writings were uh, became public, uh, we realized that she lived this incredible, long, dark spiritual night. That these decades in which the world saw this radiant individual, that she had this spiritual darkness within her. And yet she lived with a smile for Jesus. She lived with a smile for others. She lived knowing how does she love others, these others she knew she needed to love, that she wanted to love, that she did love, with a smile. I'm ready to accept whatever he gives and whatever he takes with a big smile. And that's not being false. That's focusing on the other. Choosing to think what's going to be a gift to others. Okay, three practical uh, implications, three practical means to cheerfulness. So here I'm going to take a quote from a member of today called Jack Valero who says, The way to cheerfulness is the cross divine filiation, and self-forgetfulness. So how do I be cheerful? Well, first, with the cross. That you can't be cheerful unless you have a, a certain type of relationship with the cross. To again quote Mother Teresa, Once I saw a sister with a long face going out for apostolate, so I called her to my room, and I asked her, What did Jesus say? To the, carry the cross in front of him or to follow him? With a big smile, she looked at me she, and she said, to follow him. So I asked her, why are you trying to go ahead of him? So she left my room smiling. She had understood the meaning of following Jesus. To live the cross as opposed to just living our suffering, to live the cross is to live it in union with him to follow him, which makes my cross, my living the cross, a thing that can bring me love, joy, cheerfulness. One of my um, previous spiritual directors uh, was an Opus Dei priest in England, and he would often refer to the Lord Jesus and the cross interchangeably, and he would do this after the pattern of St. Jose Maria. He'd say, when you meet Christ, when you meet the cross, you just use these words interchangeably. And he'd often refer to that, you know, people meet the cross and they are surprised. We're always surprised. We kind of weren't, don't want it. We're not looking for it. You know, does it really have to have this? Um, and yet to meet Christ to meet the cross, these things go hand in hand. Where do we find him on the cross? We shouldn't be surprised to find him there. And if I don't fear finding him there, if I'm ready to embrace finding him there, 
then rather than all those things leading me on a path to gloominess, they can lead me to a path of love and joy. St. Josemaria says, I want you to be happy on earth, and you will not be happy if you don't lose that fear of suffering. For as long as we are wayfarers, it is precisely in suffering that our happiness lies. So in the cross, I have the comfort of my divine friend. Um, and if I engage with the cross, if I engage with the difficulties of this world in that sense of finding the cross, then the cross can weirdly become my, one of my paths to cheerfulness. Divine filiation, well, I've already talked about that at the beginning, um, that my sense of being a son of God, a child, a beloved child of God, gives me that sense of joy, of dignity. The last part of Jack Valero's trilogy is self-forgetfulness. And this is a big thing in combating gloominess, in fostering cheerfulness to not think about myself, but to think about others. If I'm thinking about the person in front of me, it's easy to let go of what's wrong in my life. If I'm absorbed with myself and my problems, it can often be hard to be cheerful. But if love is focused on the other, if love brings the fruit of joy, um, then that focus on the other, that living of love, will free me, detach me from what might pull me down, uh, would give me joy. Okay, then final point, perhaps stating the obvious, um, prayer. That prayer is an indispensable aid to cheerfulness. That in prayer, we're with the one who loves us, in prayer, we're with the one who gives us a cause for joy. St. Josemaria said, it's impossible to be genuinely cheerful if we don't pray, if we don't try to turn our life into a constant dialogue with God. John Paul II said, cheerfulness and holiness are an inevitable result of getting closer to God. Closer you get to God, cheerfulness is there. Two final quotes. Um, the great Frank Sheed said in his famous book, kind of the 1950s, saints are not sad. Which is paraphrasing St. Francis de Sales, who said, a sad saint would be a sorry saint. Okay, so summarizing all that, what's this talk been about? It's been about apostolic cheerfulness, that we are, the vision of Opus Dei in general is of apostles being sent into the world, that they are to bring others to the Lord, um, that as a priest we are in a very particular way apostolic, and one of the tools we need is this apostolic cheerfulness. An apostolic cheerfulness that on one hand is this fruit 
of my encounter with the Lord, that fruit of my love of him, but on the other hand is a choice on my part, an attitude that I want to be attractive to others. I want to lift others up. I choose to engage with them with an apostolic cheer.